Thank you, Lord God. Father, thank you for this privilege of gathering together today as your people. Thank you for the love that you have for us and for the ways that you allow us to come into revelation of that love, to realize how much you love us. God, thank you for the songs that have been sung today. Thank you for the ways in which we have been able to speak words of life over each other already. God, we've come now to preaching time, and I pray for preaching power, God. I pray that you would allow this one message to be broken up a few hundred different ways so that every person in this room will know that you are speaking directly to them. That every person watching online would know that you have something to say to them. That you see them and you know them and you love them. Father, today we come in various states of mind. Some folks are sick in their body. God, we know you to be a healer. We know you to be a counselor. We know you to be a way maker. So whatever we need today, God, would you just be that in our lives? Touch hearts and minds today. Restore marriages and relationships today. Heal brokenness. Help us to see ourselves as more than just the traumatic things that we've been through. Remind us that we are your sons and daughters. So God, as we look to your word, may we find light and life there that would allow us to walk out our faith in a way that points others to you. This is your servant's prayer, O oh God. We pray this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people say together, amen, amen, amen. Good morning, sanctuary. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to be with you all this morning, uh, to be able to share in our worship experience in this way. Uh, my name is Edrin, lead pastor here at the sanctuary. If I have not had the chance to meet you, uh, get to know you a little bit, give you a hug, a handshake, uh, a bro shake, whatever it is, uh, I do look forward to having that opportunity soon. Uh, we are grateful to be in worship uh, this morning on this first Sunday in the month, month of uh, March. The month of March. This year is flying by already. And as the announcement was shared this morning, we are quickly moving towards Easter, towards Holy Week, uh, both Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and then on to Easter. And so we invite you to be praying for our time together as a church in this holy season. And we also would ask you to be praying and thinking about who you will yourselves invite to our Easter services. It's a great opportunity for folks who uh, are what we call the CME Christians, uh, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Um, this is a great opportunity for you to invite them uh, to come and check out what God is doing here at Sanctuary. And we pray, uh, perhaps that was you a few years ago. And, and maybe somebody invited you and you've decided to be here more regularly. And so uh, many people will come if they get an invitation. And so I, I'm inviting you to be praying even now on who it is that you might invite to be a part of our Easter celebration. If you have your Bible this morning, can you join me in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, we're going to read verses 1 through 12 together. We are in week three of a series that we're calling According to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. Where we're looking at both Old Testament and New Testament prophecy and then holding up the life of Jesus to those prophecies. And I hope in this series is to help you see that Jesus is the promised Messiah. 
And that his life, his ministry, his death, his suffering, and his ultimate resurrection was not happenstance. The scriptures testified generations before Jesus came to earth that he would be the promised Messiah. And so we're looking together at Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to read together verses 1 through 12. It's going to be on the screen, but we certainly want to encourage you that whenever you come, bring your Bibles, bring something to write with so that you can continue to eat on God's word throughout the week. Isaiah 53, uh, beginning with verse number one. Can we stand together as we read God's word? And I also want to encourage us, rather than you listening to me read the word, I want to ask that we read the word together. It's there on the screen. It does something for you as you are speaking the words yourself. And so don't simply listen to this wonderful voice that that's, I was just making sure y'all were paying attention. Don't simply listen. Let's read the word of God together. And here's what the word of God says. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of this his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. And cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for our sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteousness, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak for a couple minutes this morning from this title, An Unusual Beauty. An Unusual Beauty. 
In 2010, CBS aired the first episode of a show called Undercover Boss. It was the American adaptation of a popular British show by the same name. In each episode, a CEO or someone else in upper management decided to go undercover as an entry-level employee in the company. The idea of the show was to enable the bosses to see what was actually happening in their companies and organizations. So the show producers would produce a fictional identification for the person, dress him or her up with makeup and wigs and sometimes fake tattoos. They would change their clothing and they would put them in frontline roles in the company. It made for classic TV as these executives were brought face to face with the realities of their companies and the culture, the real culture of their organizations. It also made for funny TV because regardless of how obvious it was to us at home that this new employee was up to something, the other employees almost never picked up on what was happening until the moment of the great reveal. In some cases, they complained about the boss they were standing right in front of. In some cases, they cut corners and made incredible mistakes. In some cases, though, the employees worked with such excellence and dedication that it inspired the executive and led them to some sort of charitable action. In every case, the employees were so locked into their day-to-day -day realities that they missed what was right in front of their eyes. It was a great show, but it was a show that was built on a human tendency that needs our examination. That is our tendency to miss what's right in front of us. Sanctuary family, have you ever been guilty of missing something that was right in front of your eyes? Have you ever been so into one particular thing that you zoned out and did not even know what was being said or done around you? Have you ever experienced driving and you, you look up and you're where you were intending to go and you get terrified because you can not even remember how you got there? Maybe it's just me. Pray for, for me. It doesn't necessarily make you a bad driver if that's the case. But if it happens too often, surely it can put you and others in danger. Friends, we've all had moments of missing something that was right in front of our eyes. This is certainly true in the physical, but it can also be true in the spiritual sense as well. And here in Isaiah 53, we are, are given opportunity to see brothers and sisters who came before us, who missed both, both in the physical and the spiritual sense, something taking place right in front of them. Our text today, Isaiah 53, could be seen as a wake-up call to God's people who have a tendency to sleep on God. Isaiah says, rather abruptly here in verse 1 of Isaiah 53, he says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah is asking the question of his original audience, and he's asking the question of us today. Is anybody seeing this? Is anybody hearing this? Is there anybody, Isaiah says, who, 
who uh, has heard what Moses and the other prophets have said about the Messiah? Is there anybody who has seen what God has done with his strong right hand? Friends, we, we are all prone to moments and seasons and perhaps even years where we are asleep to what God is doing and saying around us. Not because we're bad people. Often it's just because we're busy people. But Isaiah says to us today, sanctuary, don't sleep. Don't miss this. The, the, the prophet is given power by the Spirit to look forward to the life of Jesus, and he paints a picture of the life of Jesus, a life that is full of struggle and rejection and ultimately a painful, sorrowful death. But Isaiah says, don't sleep. He says, if you have eyes to see, if you have ears to hear, if you have a heart to understand, then you will see that the story of Jesus' suffering actually presents to us an unusual beauty as well. And he says this beauty has been there all along. And so Isaiah does us a favor. Isaiah helps us to examine the life of Jesus, and he helps us to see, first, his beautiful origins. That's the first thing we see when we look at Isaiah 53. We see the beautiful origins of Jesus. According to the scriptures, Jesus didn't come from much. He didn't come from much. According to the scriptures, in fact, Jesus had a very scandalous beginning. Do you remember Jesus' beginnings? Born to a young virgin who was betrothed to be married to somebody else. And she showed up one day and said, I'm pregnant and the Holy Spirit is my baby dad. <laughs> this is the Bible. <laughs> it's, in, it's in the book. Scandalous beginnings. Not only did he have scandalous beginnings, he had poor beginnings. The Bible says he was born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. He, 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 he did not have room in an inn for him to get a room, and so he was born in a stable area, a cutout there in a mountainside. He was wrapped in cloths, and he was laid in a feeding trough for animals. He had scandalous beginnings. He had poor beginnings, and he did not look like much to the people who saw him. In, in the book of John, chapter 1, John the Apostle tells a story of John the Baptist going around uh, the region of Galilee and telling people uh, that Jesus was, that the Messiah had come and Jesus would be this Messiah. In many ways, what begins with Isaiah in the Old Testament, John the Baptist picks up that mantle in the New Testament and he travels all around the region and everywhere he sees Jesus, he cries out, that's the Messiah who has come to save us. Well, this one particular day, John is there doing his thing, and Jesus is out actually uh, recruiting disciples to be his followers. And he, he comes to this brother named Nathaniel, John the Baptist does, and he says this, uh, John the Baptist says to Nathaniel, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel, who would go on to be a disciple, has this snarky response. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You're saying Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, 
is the Messiah, but can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And some of us in this room know the spirit of that question. Can, can any good thing come out of North Minneapolis? Can any good thing come out of the east side of St. Paul? Can, can any good thing come out of Minneapolis public schools? That's, that's the echo of that same spirit because they could not see the dignity and the value and the worth of Jesus, and he was right there in front of them. It's right in front of their eyes. John the Baptist says, here's the one you've been waiting for, and here's his origin story. And they said, no, it can't be him because nothing good comes out of those kind of people. The Bible says, verse 2 of Isaiah 53, that Jesus uh, was not attractive to people. He, he grew up like a tender root, uh, a tender shoot, like a root out of the ground. He was feeble looking to people. He was despised, verse 3, and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering. He was one who was familiar with pain. In his day, Jesus was not winning any popularity contest. He was not doing halftime at the Super Bowl. He was not shimmying with the cappers. He was not taking his shirt off. He was not roller skating. He was not like, like the celebrities of our day. There was nothing about Jesus that made people want to come to him. Nothing. Especially to the people that he first came to save. John 1 and 10 says this. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and they did not receive him. Somehow, the people that Jesus had come to save had covered their eyes as not to see that right there in front of them was the most beautiful thing the world has ever known. He was ugly to them, but there was an unusual beauty there as well. The beauty was he had been chosen to bear the sins of the world. He had been chosen to restore the relationship between God and God's people. John reflects this again in verse one of John, uh, verse 29 of John chapter 1. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one that I've been talking about. And it says there earlier in that same chapter, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in him, he gave them the right to be the children of God. Friends, here's what I'm trying to say. The prophet Isaiah is used by God to call us as his followers to be open to the possibility of seeing beauty in unusual places. He's calling us today. You and I, Sanctuary, have an invitation to see beauty in unfamiliar people. We are invited in this season of Lent to see beauty the godly beauty in otherwise undesirable circumstances as well. That's, that's how Isaiah starts this chapter. He says that we are called to see the beautiful origins of this Messiah whose name is Jesus. He helps us to see his beautiful origins, but he also helps us to see his beautiful obedience. There is a beautiful obedience that we see when we see the story of Jesus here in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. I was told once by someone, if you want to tell somebody what to do, have kids. 
I don't remember who it was that told me that. But I'm guessing now that they didn't have kids themselves. At the very least, they didn't have one of these 2010 kids or 2020 kids. Like, maybe they had a, a 1970s model or a 1980s, early 80s model of kid. Because these new kids, they don't operate like that. They don't, they don't work like that. So there, there is, being a parent, I know there is something beautiful about obedience. Because my kids, they're not with it at all times, in most cases. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, there's something beautiful about the fact that he said yes to the Father's will. There is something beautiful about the fact that he had other options. He could have said no. He could have suggested another way. But Jesus says to the Father, yes. And he subjects himself to the worst suffering the world has ever known. Not only that, according to the scriptures, the people use his obedience to justify looking down on him. He was belittled and rejected in life. He was brutalized and suffered in death. And the very people he did it for said if he suffered that, there's no way, no way he could have been the son of God. Let's, let's look at the text. I don't want to, I want you to see exactly what I'm talking about. There is a beautiful obedience when we look at the life of Jesus. Let's look at verse 4, Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its sharers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus, despite having the power to save himself, Despite being able to crush his oppressors, Jesus silently endures suffering, and he does it on our behalf. But the world couldn't make sense of it. Philippians chapter 2 helps us to see even more so the beauty of the obedience of Jesus. Here's what Philippians 2 says. It says that have the mindset of Christ Jesus, who was... In, in, in essence, God, he was one with God, yet he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus deserved better, but for our sake, he said yes to the terrible sufferings of the cross. And the world still struggles to see that Jesus said yes to the Father's love. He laid down his life for us, and the world struggles, even the church at times struggles to see the beauty of the fact that Jesus stood in our place. He, he, he bore the weight of our sin. He stood and he carried the punishment that you and I could not. He does this not because he didn't have other options. 
he does it in accordance to the scriptures, and he does it to show us the Father's love. Sanctuary, listen. I can hardly talk about the crucifixion without coming to tears. Because for some reason, God has allowed me to lock into the significance of someone standing in my place. I don't know the ins and outs of your life. I can only think about mine. And if I had to pay for all the things I did wrong last week, I couldn't bear it. But God, knowing my frailties, sent Jesus in my place. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a rest his treasure. God, out of love for us, sent his son into the world. And Jesus, out of his love for us, said, I'll go. They won't recognize what I'm doing for them, but I'll go. They can't do it for themselves. They'll try, but let me go. That is beauty. The cross, that old rugged cross, it's, it's the most beautiful picture of the world of God pouring out the pain that we deserved on his son who did not deserve it and him saying, yes, I'll do it out of my love for them. Isaiah 53 helps us to see that God loved us in such a way, he sent his son into the world, and his son loved us in such a way that he came into the world and he said yes. Over and over again, he said yes to standing in our place. We see his beautiful origins. We see a beautiful obedience. But I, I love the gospel, and I love the story of the gospel because it's not just about suffering. The suffering is a lot to, to, to get to wrap our heads around, but it, it doesn't end with the suffering. There is a beautiful outcome as well. When we think about the story of what Jesus has done on our behalf, yes, think about his origins. Yes, think about his obedience. But I don't want us to run out of steam and forget to celebrate the outcome. Let's, let's look at Isaiah 53, verses 10b through 12. The second part of verse 10 says this. Though he had done no violence, excuse me. Let's start with the top of verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Here is, here is the reality of the gospel. In obedience to the Father, Jesus is crushed. He suffers. 
His life is poured out as an offering for the sins of the world. And you and I, we, we look at that, and it can be hard to find, find reason to celebrate because there's suffering going on. It's hard to see beauty when brokenness is so prominent, except that the Father says there is purpose beyond this temporary pain. God says to Isaiah, tell my people, tell the folks there at Sanctuary Covenant Church that there's something beautiful being formed even in that hard place and even in those hard times. What Jesus endures on our behalf is awful, but it's not without purpose. Friends, beautiful things often come out of hard times. Jesus suffers. He suffers unto death. But verse 11 tells us that even after the suffering, he will see his offspring and God will prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He will see the light of life and be satisfied. He's telling us in various ways that there is, as the notorious B.I.G. says, there is life after death. Death has been defeated. The grave has been overcome. There is something for Jesus beyond the suffering of the cross. And we ought to celebrate today because the thing that is offered to Jesus is also made available to us. Because of his death, burial, and his resurrection, you and I also gain eternal life. There is resurrection for us because of the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why I believe the gospel, not because it will keep me from pain, not because it will keep me from death. I believe the gospel because it trains my eyes to see purpose in pain. I believe the gospel because it trains my eyes to see life even after death. How things turned out for Jesus have determined how things will turn out for us, sanctuary. Because Jesus came, suffered died and was raised, we are saved. We're justified. And in this season of Lent, in the midst of the busyness of our lives, in the midst of everything happening in our world, we are invited, sanctuary, to learn of, to remember, and cherish the unusual beauty of God's plan. We're invited to see, to hear, and understand the Father's love for us. We're invited to not just be lazy in our faith to think somebody else took care of it, so I don't even need to think about it. No, because somebody else took care of it, we are invited to understand it, to see it, to hear it, and to rest deeply in the fact that something and someone had to die so that we might live. We could not have earned our grace, but Jesus gave us grace. And while we should know this by now, every day he loves us so much that he tells us over and over again, here's what I've done on your behalf. So we call you in this season to celebrate God for who he is. In this season, we, we call you sanctuary to celebrate Jesus for who he is. And if you're here today and you're like, I, I, I can't celebrate because I don't really know who he is, let me take a few moments and remind you who he is. He, he is the first and the last. 
He is the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all things. He is the architect of the universe, the one who spoke and called something out of nothing. He's got the whole world in his hand. That's, that's who he is, sanctuary. He is, he always was, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised, but he brings us peace. He was pierced, but he eases our pain. He died, and he brings us eternal life. He was raised to bring us power, and he reigns forevermore. That's, that's who he is, sanctuary. The powers of this world can't understand him. Great armies can't defeat him. Schools can't standardize him. World leaders can't ignore him. Wall Street could not afford him. Do-gooders can't take his place. And social media popularity personalities can't explain him away. He is light. He is love. He is longevity. He is the Lord. He is goodness. He is faithfulness. He is kindness. He is God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is powerful. He is pure. His ways are right. His words are eternal. His will is unchanging. And his mind is set on you. He's our savior. He's our guide. He's our joy. He's our peace. He's our comfort. He's our eternal hope. He is the ruler of our lives. His bond is love. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His plan for us is the eternal life. We worship him because he's the wisdom of the wise. He's the power of the powerful. He's the ancient of days. He's the ruler of rulers and the leader of all leaders. And yet, yet sanctuary. Listen to this. Don't miss this part. His goal is an intimate relationship with you. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never mislead us. He'll never forsake, he'll never forget us. He'll never overlook us. He never cancels on us. When we fall, he lifts us up. When we fail, he forgives us. When we are weak, then he is strong. When we are afraid, he is our courage. When we stumble, he steadies us. When we are broken, he puts us back together again. When we're blind, he grabs us by the hand and leads us along the way. He shields us when we face persecution. He comforts us when we face life's troubles. He walks with us when we go through the valley. And he restores us over and over again when we fall away. He keeps us when we can't keep ourselves. He speaks for us when the words fall short. He loves us when we don't feel lovable. And he stands with us even when we can't stand ourselves. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's God. And when this life is over, when we've sung our last song, Sanctuary, when the book of life has turned to its final page, this same God, he's prepared a place for us. And he will gently and passionately 
come and welcome us home. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is our God. And in this season of life, I want to encourage you. He's right in front of your face. He's right there in your ear. He's calling you, see me. He's calling you, hear me. He's calling you, come find rest in me. I know you're tired. I know you've been trying to do it on your own. But come, my beloved child, and rest in me. This is God's invitation to us today, sanctuary. This is God's word to us today, sanctuary. Ask and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. Come and receive all that God has for us today. That is his invitation to us. Father, thank you so much that you help us to see you, that you help us to hear you, that you help us to know you. God, thank you today that we are not left to our own devices, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus into the world on our behalf to bear burdens that were too heavy for us. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for the brother or sister in this room who needs to know fully how much you love us. I pray, God, that you would touch every heart in this room, that you would reassure every doubt in this room, that you would restore every relationship in this room. God, help us to not be so casual about what you've done on our behalf. Help us not to take for granted what you've done for us. God, help us to know it was not by accident that you came into the world, that you lived a perfect life, that you died a horrible death. It was not by accident. It was done according to the will of God so that we might be restored to the Father. We love you today. We love you today. We're so grateful to know that you first loved us. Be with us now in Jesus' name. All God's people say together, amen, amen, amen. Sanctuary family, it is such a sweet joy that today is Communion Sunday. That on this day, we get to remember who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf. Today, all around the world, Christians gather to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf. And one of the ways that we do this in our church and I say this each month, it's not just an empty practice. It really is an act of worship. We come to the communion table. And we remember who Jesus is, what he's done on our behalf. We say yes to God's will and way in the very same way that our big brother Jesus said yes to God's will and way. When we come to the table and we take this bread, we remember his body, which was given for us. And when we drink of this cup, remember the new covenant, the new agreement between God and man. 
that was instituted in his blood. And I'm so glad today to know that on my worst days, I'm covered by the blood. I'm covered by the blood. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later that night after the supper, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement between God and man in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul goes on to say that as often as we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In sanctuary, there's a beauty, a mystery about the fact that when we come to the table, that in ways beyond what I can explain well right now, Jesus is with us. He's with us. And so as you prepare to come to the table today, I, I want you to take a moment and just think about the price that has been paid for your salvation. The love that the Father had for you to pour out his love and send his son into the world so that you might have eternal life. And think about the beauty of the opportunity that you get to come and receive the body and blood of Jesus. And then you get to go out into the world and live like Jesus. You get to be salt and light to somebody who needs it. You get to forgive someone who needs it. You, you get to be healed of the things that were done to you. And your healing becomes fuel for the healing of others as well. My brother, my sister, may we never take for granted what Jesus has done on our behalf. And as you prepare to come to the table today, I pray that in new and fresh ways, your eyes would be open to the love that the Father has for you. Our hospitality team is going to come to the end of your row in just a moment, and they're going to invite you to come forward to receive communion. If you cannot uh, for one reason or another, come forward for communion. Please let them know. We will be happy to serve you there at your chair. As you come forward, our communion stewards will be there in pairs. You'll go to one particular station based on your section. Just wait for the instruction of the hospitality team, and they'll direct you well. Our, our worship team is going to come back up, and they're going to lead us in a, few, in a song as we take communion as well. Just remember, this is worship. This is a holy moment. This is God and God's people together sharing in communion, remembering what has been done, and remembering who we are because of what has been done on our behalf. Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, thank you that we get to celebrate together as a family who you are 
and what you have done on our behalf. Let's proceed with communion.
Is there anyone who did not get served? Anybody still needs to be served? Can we stand together as we prepare to head out? Sanctuary family, my prayer today is that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you. And that you might look into God's word and see testimony of the extent of God's love for you. Isaiah tells us one of the ways that we can know of God's love. That he sent his son into the world to bear a burden that we could not bear. And that we get to reap the benefits of the suffering of Jesus. And so I pray today that you would read God's word with a new pair of eyes moving forward. That you might even look at hard things and see an unusual beauty in it. And I pray that that skill would then transfer to your lives and the world around us. That we might look at the hard things in our world. The things that the rest of the world would look at and turn their eyes away from. That you might look with the eyes of Christ and say, Lord, what are you up to in that difficulty? What are you up to in that situation where there seems to be so much loss? More than that, what are you calling me to do about that? What are you calling your church to do about that? Today, it would make no sense for us to talk all about the salvation and what God has done for us and all that and not give people a chance to respond. I believe in this room there are some folks who might hear all of what I've said today and say, Pastor Edrin, I don't know of God's love. I've never been convinced of God's love. No one has ever talked to me about what it means to have Jesus be the Lord of my life. Today, I have three simple invitations for you. First, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never given Jesus the lordship of your life, if you've never said, Lord, I receive the love that God has for me, I want to say yes to you, not just as Savior, but also as Lord. If you've never done that, today would be the perfect day to say yes, to receive God's love. Our prayer stewards will be here at the end of service. We would love to talk to you about what that means and pray with you and help you prepare that journey, that walk of walking out the rest of your life with Jesus. If you're here today and you've been walking with Jesus, you've already said yes to him, but you're not committed to this church or any other church, we would love to have you put down roots here, to have this be your church home where you can be cared for and you can offer care to others, where you can be loved and you can extend God's love to others. We would love Sanctuary to be your church home. And if you're here today and you are bearing burdens that are too much for you to bear, and you just need someone to lay hands on you and pray, we would love to be able to pray with you as well. Our prayer team will be here to receive you and pray for you after service. And there's, there's been a, a thing we've been noticing the last couple of weeks. One, there's been a lot of sisters coming for prayer. And I've been wondering, why aren't the brothers coming? It's not like we aren't dealing with things. We aren't bearing burdens. So we've been praying as a staff team, Lord, give us some men to join our prayer team so that brothers would be more comfortable perhaps coming to receive prayer with other men. And, And as soon as we began praying that prayer, there were men who started to come forward and say, I've been wondering about where I can serve. Is there a place for me on the prayer team? And so I want to thank God for Phil I want to thank God for Pastor Paul and others who've come forward. So brothers, 
Don't tune me out when I say this. You need prayer too. Come and be prayed for before you head out that door. The other thing we've been noticing is a lot of people coming for prayer. And if there's a little bit of a line, folks will wait a little bit and then they'll head out. I want to ask you to wait. You're coming for a reason. Don't, don't miss what it is that's been prompted in your heart. So just wait a little bit so that we can all receive the prayer we need today. Sanctuary, God loves you. I love you. I'm excited about what God's doing in our church right now. I'm excited about where we're going and how we're growing. I'm excited to see what God will do in us and through us. So as we go into, the week, into this week, know that God loves you. Know that God has paid a high price for your salvation. Know that you are called to walk that out in freedom. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are the sons and daughters of God. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being with us by your spirit. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of what you're doing in this church, in this season. God, I pray for every brother and sister in this room and every person who's watching online that you would reassure us today of your love for us. God, I pray for the brother or sister today who has not said yes to you as Lord and Savior. I pray that today might be a day that they would come forward to receive you into their lives. God, I pray for the one who's been out there trying to do it on their own been wondering, do I need to be a part of a church? Why can't I just study at home and watch some YouTube videos? God, I pray that you would continue to impress upon their hearts that they need to be plugged into a church community where they can learn and grow together, where they can serve alongside others and be a blessing to others and also be blessed as a part of the fellowship. God, I pray today for the brother and sister who is bearing great burdens, that today might be a day that they might come forward for prayer that someone might speak life over them and they might be reminded of who you are and what you've done on their behalf. Father, as we go into this week, go before us, walk beside us, cover us in your blood, shut the mouth of the enemy that speaks lies over us. Help us to be your sons and daughters in the world. God, help us to be the ones who tell others about you, who point others to you, and who model what it is to be Christ-like in the world. Father, we love you. We're so grateful to know you love us. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us as faultless before his glorious presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be all glory, honor, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. Sanctuary family, would you join me by saying amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.